We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. It is a cooling Kevin football Friday here on the podcast. Uh, we're going to get to Washington beats Dallas. If I've got a smell test, Cooley's got a lock of the week. Um, there are other things. I actually um, have written down a couple of questions for you that are actually. Oh, I love I love question day. I I like question day too, but you don't do it with me nearly as much as I do it with you. I actually like when you say, you know what? I've I've a couple of questions for for you. It, there's an excitement to that. Uh-huh. I don't know why. Um, you're, you're, there is, and you're more thoughtful, and I will make it a point <laughs> to become more thoughtful in our relationship. Um, I uh, I do want to start with a semi, what do you got, um, before we get to uh, last night's game, which I do want to talk to you about, um, and then we get to the Washington-Dallas game. And my what do you got is this, um, pretty much sort of loser area. Uh, so... I have like um, a template for the radio show and the podcast, you know, a rundown template. Yeah, uh, and and for the radio show, the rundown template includes my updates. You know, I do updates during the radio show. Remember years ago when the rate when radio uh, it was actually generating more revenue. We would have an update person that would come in and do updates, but now the anchors or the, the show hosts, excuse me, actually do the updates. So I do updates, Galdi does updates, Scott Lynn does updates, and then I don't think Zabe does. Oh, well, Scott Lynn does the updates during Zabe's show. Anyway, I started to prepare for Monday's show already as we were getting ready to do the podcast, and the lead story on Monday in my update will be the Washington-Dallas game. So I started to just put together like the, you know, that's going to be the, the lead. Then I'll have other NFL games. And then I'll have World Series Game 5, which will have been played on Sunday night. And then, you know, there's a golf tournament that Tiger's in. He's, you know, he's out of it after the first day, but there might be some results there and a couple of other things. But here's where we enter the territory of Get a Life. I've already written my Washington-Dallas update item for Monday morning. (laughs) It's a prediction. I've already written it. I never, I've never done this before, but I, I feel, I feel so strongly 
about my pick today about Washington-Dallas that I'm going to give it to you up front. I already told you earlier in the week I think Washington's going to win this game. So here it is. Uh, This update uh, brought to you by TAP Sports Bar at MGM National Harbor. Make TAP Sports Bar your home arena this season. You must be 21 years of age and over. We start with Washington and Dallas, and Washington got a big win. Their second win of the year. They beat the Cowboys 24-16. to Kyle Allen, three touchdown passes, six sacks from the defense, including a season-high four from Montez Sweat. Uh, Washington improves to 2-5. and five. Dallas falls to 2-5. and five. Both teams uh, a half game behind the Philadelphia Eagles in the division. Washington enters its bye week. Next up for them will be Sunday, November 8th, 1 o'clock at FedEx Field against the Giants. <laughs> four sacks by Montez Sweat? Yeah, four sacks. Four of the six sacks from Montez Sweat. If that comes true, three touchdown passes from Kyle Allen. (laughs) I can see three touchdown passes from Kyle Allen. Oh, I had another note here too. I think I had another note here too because I'll I'll take I'll I'll put down notes from the game that I'll Mm. hit on you know various updates because I won't read the update the same way every single time. And you know I put put the fact that Washington not only improved two and five, but they are two and zero now in division games. (laughs) <laughs> oh, okay. I think, it, I think if they win, it'll look like more like and two two yard touchdown runs by Peyton Barber. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, with any, anyway, multiple that, scrambles. That's what I was doing as I was sitting here waiting for you to connect via Zoom for our podcast today. Um, I was preparing for Monday, and I just I, I I wrote out the first part of my update. Now I haven't gotten to the point where I will, you know, write out the rest of the NFL slate with all the predictions. I don't do that, but I do sort of list out all the games so I can just simply put in some scores and some notes. Anyway, I thought I would share that with you. I've never really done that, but I also felt in doing it that there was some sort of superstition that if I did it and I wrote it out and I really was positive and mm. and th- thought it into being that it might happen. Because I I am going to have Washington this weekend uh, as a wager. Um, Anyway, uh, did you have something that you wanted to share with me before we get to the uh, game last night? I thought that you would like this. Okay, I'm listening. I woke up this morning, and uh, yesterday morning as well, and it was a little brisk this morning. I walked outside to take the dog out. It was four. Four what? Degrees? Yeah. Seriously? On October twenty third, four. Are you are you seriously four degrees? It was four degrees when I walked outside this morning. It snowed yesterday, and was pretty cold throughout the day yesterday. I think we're going to have um, a very cold weekend. If you'd like to look up, I'm looking Cody up right Powell now. or Ross in Wyoming. Lows of negative six on Sunday. Here's what I've got for Powell. All right, first of all, I have that it's ten degrees right now, so it's warmed up. It's really warming up as the <clears> sun comes out. Um, it says you're going to get all the way up to 28 today. Tomorrow, you've got snow in the forecast, high of 23, low of 6. How mm-hmm. much How much snow are you supposed to get tomorrow? I actually don't think that much snow. You know, Denver's supposed to be a snow game Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, 
And then it says, I look at how much snow I just, I, I kind of bypassed the idea of actually getting snow on Saturday uh-huh. to the Sunday high of 12 degrees. Yeah. Well, Sunday high of 12, low of negative three. <laughs> that's, that's not good. Well, if you look at Ralston, where I live, it's a low of negative six currently on weather.com. What's your elevation there? I forget. You've told me before, but I forget. It's like 4,500 feet. Uh, here's your actual uh, NOAA um, weather forecast for tomorrow. Uh, late tonight, snow developing after f- you know 4 a.m. Snow tomorrow, high near 25, blustery, north winds 8 to 13 miles per hour, increasing to 18 to 23 miles per hour in the afternoon. <laughs> winds could gust as high as 34 miles per hour. Chance of precipitation is 100%. New snow accumulation of 1 to 2 inches possible. And then Saturday uh, Saturday night, this is for Powell. It says low around 6, wind chills 10 to 15 below, and another inch possible of snow. Holy shit. It's October 23rd. Is this what you, I guess this is what you get out there. This is not, this is not normal. It isn't? No, it's not normal. So look at next week. By the way, Denver. Absolutely horrendous. Normal would be what next week starts as, as you get it into a little bit of warm up. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 45 to 50 sunny, lows of 28, 29. But 45 here in sunny is pretty nice at this time. I know it sounds very cold, but there's zero humidity in the air. And so a. You're You're not warming up that much, bro. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm trying to tell you is that 45 feels like about 58. Well, I'm sure it does when it's been 40. When it's four, I mean, no, no, it just does. It just does yeah, always the ele- in general because like of the elevation warm, and and because of the lack of any humidity in the air. There's no water in the air, right? And so as it gets above, really anything above freezing with the sun out, it's like a sweatshirt. That's it. No coat. Man, you know how much I love like winter storms and winter weather. I would have a real difficult time on October 23rd walking out of my house early in the morning to four degrees. I really would. <laughs> I mean, it's not even Halloween yet. Um, Denver on Sunday in the in the uh, um, the, the Denver Denver. It's ho- got to be cold in Denver. It's freezing here. Denver's hosting the Chiefs on Sunday. And they're talking about several inches of snow during that game and during the day with high temperatures, uh, 24, 24 in snow. So it looks so it looks like maybe that snow is just going to be a little bit south, right, of you. The storm development. Yeah, um, it's cold. Yeah, that's 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 cold. That's really cold. I got but, up. I had to get up early today because I'm smoking a brisket. Really. Yeah, I've really become very Wyoming. I uh, I just bought, I bought a shotgun last week. I have um I I've, I've yet to buy a clay pigeon machine, so instead I save beer bottles and I throw beer bottles off my back deck and that's my skeet. Well, that sucks cuz you end up with broken glass everywhere. Well, you throw them far enough that it goes out way past what would be my backyard into pretty much the the trees. Okay, do you still want broken glass all around in your trees? Yeah. Why don't you just get some skeet uh, stuff? Yeah, I'm, I ordered it on uh, on the Amazon. 
<laughs> on the Amazon. I ordered it on the Amazon. Um, I think that's pretty cool. You, I mean, look, you've been Mr. Wyoming before. It's not like you don't know how to be Mr. Wyoming. You're just, you know, you're ba- you're back into that mode. I, I, I think it would be really cool. I, I've never lived out west. I, I think it would be really cool to live out west. It's awesome. I've been out. Pheasant hunting season opens November 1st here. So I've been out walking around looking for some pheasants. Found a bunch of pheasants on my property. So that's going to be a good opening day for me. What else do you have? Never shot a deer. There's a lot of white-tailed deer on my property. There's mule deer and white-tailed deer in Wyoming. But oddly enough, when you start to talk to everybody that you want to shoot, if you want to eat deer, the white-tailed deer are much better. For some reason, the white-tailed deer stay around the fields. And so they eat basically the same crops that the cows eat. And so the meat is much less gamey. Oh, the whitetail versus what? The mule? Versus the mule deer. Yeah. The gaminess is weighed down because the whitetail live in the valley and they eat much more of what the livestock eats. Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, there's no chance I'm eating gamey venison. I love venison, but you got to, you, you got to, tr- even, even regular, you know, venison, because my brother in law and, and, family members are big hunters and there's been many times when we've had venison on the dinner table and I like venison a lot, but it's already been treated to the point where there is no gaminess left in that, in that taste. I mean, that's a, that's a, don't you think that's a very tough taste or is it something that, you know, Western mountainers are used to and, and it's not a big deal? I no, a lot of people here don't like the real gamey mule deer taste. But I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos on cooking deer meat. <laughs> well, don't you don't you really have to marinate it, treat it for you know? Yeah, you wh- do. And I told like I told you, I just bought this smoker. It's a Traeger smoker. Uh huh. We put all these. We put wood pellets in it. It's pretty amazing, actually. The smokers now, you can control them from anywhere with your phone. Like I could give you my password to my Traeger. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. You could ch- you could change the temperature on it from where you're at. Yeah, don't do that. I mean, I'll accidentally you know set it. No, I'm just saying know. in general, like, it's pretty pretty unbelievable that you can make those adjustments and stuff from wherever you are. Because for, for example, today it's, this brisket, I got to smoke it for like seven hours before I do anything to it. So the the conversation about mule deer, um, it was actually mentioned in a conversation that I had last week. And I'll just tell you the story real quickly. So I think I've told you the story about when I was, you know, after my junior year in college, I was 21 and a buddy of mine and his younger brother, um, basically took the summer and got in a car and drove out West. And, you know, we were in California for a while and then we came back, you know, like a month and a half later, it was one of those trips. It was, um, we did a driveway service. Have I told you this story before? I think I have about that trip. I think so. so, um, anyway, um, the trip was, you know, it, it had so many memories and to make a long story short, my buddy who I went with came into town last week. We got together, had, had a few beers and hung out for a while with his younger brother who was also in town. And it was the three of us that went out together. And then it was just my buddy and I that came back because his 
they had relatives that lived in Northern California and the younger brother ended up staying um, with the relatives for the rest of the summer. Anyway, one of, on the way out, we took the Northern route and we ended up in Yellowstone and we were, we, we didn't have a lot of money. This was a, this was a trip where basically parents were not in favor of it. Like my father, I worked like I always had a job going back to 13 years old in the summer. I had to get a job period. That's, that was I was always working. He was the same way. My father was essentially like, you can do this, but don't wire home for money. All right, you should be working this summer. And so we <laughs> we didn't have that much money when we set out. And it was probably day four, day five, we ended up in Yellowstone, and we were sleeping in the car one night in Yellowstone. And we woke up, and this is June, and it's 28 degrees. It is lightly snowing, and there are like six of the biggest deer I have ever seen just hanging out around the car, and they were mule deer. And for those that don't know the difference between like mule deer, you can explain it better than I, but they're just much bigger deer with typically bigger antlers, bigger ears, bigger everything's just big. Is the, I, there's probably other differences that you can articulate better than I can, but that's what I remember about mule deer. But there were like five or six of them just walking around the car. It's June and there's a light snow falling and it's below freezing and we're shivering in the car. Never forget that morning. Mule deer. Did I describe mule deer correctly or not? Yeah, I think as correctly as anybody needs mule deer to be described they can obviously be a little bit bigger but white deer out here can be big i think the difference out here is i think like a field deer versus a mountain deer you know field deer do get bigger because of what they eat and stuff and that's why also why they taste better is because they're not eating sagebrush all the time so and then obviously the white tail have the big white tail and then so when you're watching them and they start running off, they're bouncing off. You can see the big white tail. So, um, I got a drone. I, I actually, this is another way different conversation. Man, you, you are just loading a, a up friend, on the toys. A, well, a friend when came out and when they left, it, they bought a, a drone for me uh-huh. as a gift. And I haven't really flown it much, to be honest with you. They're kind of cool, but a lot of people out here are way into drones. Like, oh, well, I got the best drone. I actually don't want to hunt using a drone because I don't even feel like it's hunting. Right. That's not fair. Do you just use a drone to fly over to identify where the deer are or where? Yeah, you could. Like, I could wake up, go instead of walking out and looking around or trying to getting into a stand, track deer, or even a deer cam is almost cheating. But I could just fly my drone all the way over my property. There it goes. They notice it. I've done it. I did it a month ago. They, they do notice. Oh, there they are. I see them. Take pictures of them. That's I'm not, not doing that. No. That's cheating. Well, do you typically, when you deer hunt? Is, I've are never you deer a, hunted. Are you, oh, okay. I'm sorry. Um, w- real quickly, because people, uh, I'm sure, are enjoying this riveting conversation, but would prefer us to talk about football. And we'll get to that in a moment on our own time, whenever we feel like doing it. Um, I'm kidding. You can fast uh, forward. Uh, how much wildlife do you have on your property? And what are, I mean, do you have bear? Have you seen a lot of bears? Okay. So I've seen turkeys, right. doves, grouse, 
pheasants, deer. I have not seen a bear on my property. There is a hundred mile span between two mountain ranges. To answer your question, I'm going to do this quickly. The mountain range to the west of my, me is more of the Absorca, or if you're watching the show on Netflix, Longmire, Absaroka, and that's not how it's pronounced. They messed that up. Mm -hmm. um, the Absorca mountain range has grizzly bears. Then all the way, the next 100-mile span, it's the Bighorn Mountains that goes east into Wyoming. They do not have grizzly bears. They have black bears. Since 1900, there hasn't been a black bear in the valley. The Game and Fish sent a thing to me last year, and there was a bear that hibernated on the river down by my property. So the grizzly bear population has grown tremendously in the last 20, 30 years in the Absorca range, and they're pushing all the way to Utah and now all the way down into our valley. I didn't see the bear, but last year or two, yeah, last summer, my neighbor came rolling up on his his ATV and he's like, there's a bear down here. Him and his wife, he had a gun. It's going to get our cows. <laughs> We're going to go shoot a bear. Oh, God. I'm like, Ser seriously, it's a bear, huh? Pretty crazy. Um, I've not seen wolves down where I'm at. You go 50 miles in the mountains and there's a bunch of wolves. I've not seen a mountain lion, but there are mountain lions all over the river bottom out here. So there's an abundance of wildlife, Kevin. That's interesting that there would be black. But there is by you. No, I understand. You have, you have bears and birds and all kinds of things. My house in Virginia, we saw turkeys all the time. There were wild turkeys out there. There oh. was a bear that was in my neighborhood this spring in Virginia. Well, black bear. I, I've seen, well, certainly turkeys. I, black bears aren't going to be down where I am, which is. Oh, look, you're look, wrong. Oh, I'm not wrong. I, the bla there are the black bla bears around where you're at. Black bear. There's a, there's a major black bear population out in Western Maryland, and they will find their way down maybe as far east or south as you know, Frederick or into your area out in Leesburg. But the black bears aren't roaming around, you know, D.C. Um, I know that there have been bears spotted. I do understand that, but it's very rare. Uh, we have we have everything else. I mean, just tons of deer, tons of fox. There have been certainly dis um, the discussions of, like, wolves recently in, in and around the area. Um, I've... I've seen a turkey land right on my street, like when I was walking the dog. But you're in real, you know, country. You're in the mountains. You're in the wilderness. And I'm looking, like, I, I think for those that are interested, where, where Cooley is is in the northern part of Wyoming. And, you know, you are to the east of, of Yellowstone, which is in the... Um, northwest corner of the state, which then bleeds into Montana, because part of Yellowstone is in Montana as well. I remember that about Yellowstone. And then um, that Bighorn National Forest that you're talking about where the, the black bear population is, is east of you, and you really are in the valley between these two big mountain, you know, areas. But even the valley, as you mentioned, is still 4,500 feet of elevation, so I would imagine like you could probably drive what an hour and be at 16,000 feet, not 16. I think the highest is just over 11. Okay. You might get to 12 at like one of the peaks. 
but you can't drive to 12. You'd have to hike or snowmobile to get to that. And where's Jackson Hole? Jackson Hole is just on the west side of Yellowstone Park. Think of a little tiny square in the top left corner of a, a big square. Wyoming's a big square. Yellowstone's a little square. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Jackson's on the left <clears throat> side of I've been to, I've been there a couple of times, including once in the summer when it's beautiful there in the summer. Um, in 2014, a bear spent several hours around the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, taking yeah. a stroll on campus and perching in a tree. I do, I do, I do remember occasional stories of bears being down in you know the immediate metropolitan suburban areas and even in probably in rock creek park and various places like that so but it's we don't have a grizzly bear population on well, the east coast you don't coast. have any grizzly bears no grizzlies on the east coast just black bears in when when i've been and spent time up in garrett county got tommy and i talked about this um last week um at at deep creek lake you know that that place has a a significant black bear population, so much so that I think they have, <clears throat> you know, they've tried to thin the population. I think they have an annual, like, two-day or one-day black bear hunt. Um, you should do it. I have no interest in doing that. Zero interest in doing that. I like, I don't mind, I, I like skeet shooting. You know, you, you, I, I've told you I've done that before. My oldest son definitely was into that, especially when he was down in Texas, and, you know, all of his friends down there had... You know, they, their families had, you know, big places and ranches and stuff where we would go out and skeet shoot. I, I, I enjoy that. I have no interest in bear hunting or sitting out in a deer stand for three hours. <laughs> no interest. Anyway, all right. Um, we got a lot to get to, and we will do it right after this word from one of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, you were not on the show yesterday, but I did give the Giants out last night as an early smell test special. I also told people that I really thought they were going to win the game outright, but that's not what the smell test is. The smell test was a winner last night, plus the four and a half. Game actually went off at plus five. Um, I liked the Giants last night. Good start to the smell test. Uh, another 10 picks coming up um, in uh, a little bit later on in the show. So I thought last night's game, uh, and by the way, I watched the game. I did not watch a lot of the debate. I, I, I flipped to the debate during the commercials of the game, 
but I was, for whatever reason, into this game, in part because I had some action on it. But I actually thought it was a real game. And I'm not going to do like just a sit-down Q&A with you. I'm just going to lob the th- the two or three questions that I had for you during the show into the program when it makes sense. And I would just ask you uh, right now, would you take Daniel Jones on your roster if you didn't have a quarterback and believe that he could be your franchise quarterback of the future? Would I just take him on my roster? Yeah, I think he can play. No, I mean, like, would you invest in Daniel Jones? I'm not. Ta- we don't need to talk draft choices. If he were available and you said, that's the guy right now I can have to be my franchise quarterback over the next 10 years, I believe he can be that. Would you believe in that? Yes, but I don't want to have to pay Daniel Jones 20-plus million dollars a year right now. That's probably the going rate for any starting quarterback. But I think right now Daniel Jones still needs more weapons, more help around him. I'd invest in Carson Wentz before I'd invest in Daniel Jones. He, you still would, right? Because you, you, you've, you've loved Carson Wentz from the jump. Well, I, I think Carson Wentz – I, here's what Carson Wentz can do. Carson Wentz can go 25 of 43 for 359 yards with Fulgram, Hightower, Richard Rodgers, Greg Ward. And, uh, well, Deshaun was back last In night. and out. Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson had three receptions and one reverse. Like the big plays were to Fulgram, and he, he had a huge bomb to this dude, Hightower. And right. I think Wentz is more of a playmaker right now and I think he's been more of a playmaker than Daniel Jones I think Daniel Jones could be that I mean dude you saw the zone read he had last night where he ends up falling down (laughs) 50 yards downfield like turf monster got him big time he's got that speed to him but he just doesn't have the comfortability I cannot say that word he's just not comfortable enough I know I I know how to say it I just my mouth won't do it Um, yeah I'd to answer your question, it would be the price you had to pay for Daniel Jones. I think that's as, as important of a question that I would ask you, Kevin. How much would you pay yearly watching Daniel Jones through two years? He's available. You have to offer him a contract. What would you offer Daniel Jones? I, I, don't, I, I appreciate the question that you're asking me, but that's not really what I was going for. Because uh, am I going to – like Kirk Cousins is making $30 million a year or whatever it was on the extension, right? So we well, know like the, the Mahomes deal that he just signed was north of $40 million. The Russell Wilson deal, uh, whatever they are. Like I'm not ready to pay him even what Kirk Cousins is making. I am ready to say two things. Number one, and you know that I think – that Dwayne Haskins has some talent, and I was encouraged by him last year. Um, but I am ready to say right now, if you know, if this draft is being done over again, I'm taking Daniel Jones. Uh, by the way, I like Daniel Jones better when the draft came out. But then last year, I thought, no, maybe they, maybe Washington did get it right with with Haskins. They didn't. Um, and not that they had a choice because Daniel Jones was gone. I guess Dave Gettleman, in my opinion, is going to look good for this pick. That's what I would say. That, you know, he could have maybe had him later on, but I have a feeling Daniel Jones would have gone before the Giants had that second pick, which I believe was like 18th in the first round when they picked uh, the Clemson uh, defensive lineman Lawrence. I, 
I think Daniel Jones, they got it right. And I think that the league would have done messed up had they not taken Daniel Jones um, in the uh, in the first round or not taken Daniel Jones before Dwayne Haskins. Haskins thinks that the league done messed up because they took Daniel Jones before him. But I think what we've learned here, and I know it's early, Daniel Jones has 20 starts, but he's got something to him. There's something to Daniel Jones. He turns the ball over. Under pressure, he's inaccurate. But these are all things I would expect, especially for a guy that came out of a system like with Cutcliffe and has been coached up well. If he gets the right coaching and they can put some weapons around him, I think he's going to be – I think he is a long-term franchise quarterback, top half of the league starter. That's what I think I'm watching when I'm watching him. Not now, makes a lot of mistakes, turns the ball over a lot, under pressure will throw inaccurately and miss people, but he's got something to him. He is also a playmaker, like Wentz. I mean, you know, we've seen now in two weeks the speed he has on just the zone read, as as long as he doesn't trip himself up. That should have been a 90-yard touchdown run for a quarterback. Not named Kyler Murray or Michael Vick or Robert Griffin III. Right. No, he's a four or five guy. Um, I like him. I, I do. I don't, I think I've said this to you. I think I said it last week. I, I think he fits somewhere in the next year in that seven or eight to 15 range. And there you go. It's a quarterback you can win a Super Bowl with that. You, you answered my question. Yep. So yeah, you, you, would you take that guy? Yeah. I think you would take that guy because you know you're going to have him. He's going to be available. He's durable, as far as you can see through the first couple of years. Right. He's tough. That's the other thing I like about him. There's a toughness to Daniel Jones. Agreed. I agree with that. He's he's also like Dwayne in his second season in a in his second offense. In his second offense, without a lot of weapons. With the new head coach. Because Saquon Barkley hasn't been there. Um, by the way, I think Carson Wentz is super tough too. The difference so far with Wentz is Wentz has not been able to stay healthy in his short, a longer career at this point, but still a relatively short career. Oh, yeah, there, there's a lot of similarities between both those two quarterbacks. I think, I think Wentz I think has even, got a little bit more baller to him. I think even their Wentz flaws is, are similar because I think yeah. Wentz can be really inaccurate under pressure. Yeah, I think he can. I think he can also be really accurate under pressure. I think Wentz makes stupid and critical mistakes under pressure, where Jones, more of Jones's critical mistakes under pressure are fumbles. He had one last night. It was at the end of the game. Yeah. But you know what? The, I, a lot of the conversation after the game and even this morning was – uh, that's the problem with him. He's a turnover machine, and with the game on the line, he can't get it done. Well, that's bullshit. Last night with the game on the line, he threw a dime to Evan Ingram on third and seven, which would have essentially, for all intents and purposes, I think Philadelphia had the two-minute warning and one more timeout, maybe two, but that would have pretty much sealed the game, and Ingram dropped it. It was a perfect throw. Yeah, Ingram, no, yeah, no doubt. Ingram also batted one up in the air early in the game. That was got, Jones's only pick. And that got picked. Right, um, but but Daniel Jones delivered last night on that drive, 
and in the big on the biggest play play in the game. And you know, I always look at that. You know, okay, what did they get the ball back with last night after the touchdown that gave forty five? It was forty five seconds. Okay, well, I mean, that's certainly enough time um, to. And he he completed. Okay, I'm looking at the play by play. There was the penalty. Okay, there was a holding penalty after a completion to Ingram. Then there was a completion to Ingram to get him to, into second and twelve with twenty-eight seconds left, and that was the play that he got sacked and fumbled on. By the way, he was under pressure the entire night. And I think also just another quick thing. I I thought the game was actually an exciting game and a competitive it was game. A, oh, it was a great game. And and I and I I think that the reason I'm convinced Philadelphia will win this division is they're the best defensive team in the division. Maybe you know, maybe Washington up front could be the second best defensive team in the division. But Philadelphia is the best. They've got the best defensive players or defensive team. They're coached well defensively, and if they start to get people back, they're going to win. They're going to win seven games plus. They're not. It's they're not going to win the division six nine and one. They'll win it at like seven eight and one or eight seven and one. Did you see Cooley, the story before the game last night? Philadelphia was going to trade Zach Ertz before he got hurt. They, they, Actually, they, I just told I, – I did this with you. I said, like, I would trade for Zach Ertz. I know that, but you didn't tell and you me. Didn't, you were like, no. You didn't tell me that I, you thought they were going to be sellers at the trade deadline. Well, the reason I think that they would – potentially be sellers is because Ertz hasn't done much in the last year and they have Goddard. Well, they don't Ertz have would Ertz. Here's what Ertz could provide them. He could provide them a trade for a big time receiver right now. It, obviously, well, you they're get looking, they're looking to shop Jeffrey too. the report, which I think was lock and four's report. Or it was CBS report was that the Eagles um, we're going to trade Ertz before he got hurt, and they've also been shopping Alshon Dr- Jeffrey. The Eagles are sellers before the trade deadline. I would 100%, if I was Washington, think about trading for Ertz. It's just because that position's so tough to find in the draft, and they haven't had anybody to secure that position, and Ertz is versatile on both sides. I don't know, Philly, what they would have been interested in if they would have traded him for a player, if they would have wanted a player if they'd wanted a certain type of player, if they would trade him for a pick, I don't know if you'd give away Ertz for a second. Um, I don't know. Is he 31? I mean, he's, it's not like he's old. He's not Jason Whit- Witten. Uh, he's 29. Well, here's, here's the other thing is it play, teams shop players all the time. Yeah, I know. It doesn't necessarily mean they were going to trade him. It just might've meant if someone was going to give us a first for Ertz or it, a top 20 receiver in the league, then yeah, we would do it. But right now Philly needed that. I, well, they, 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 that's where they've been hurt the most. Their skill position players on offense. I just think that it's interesting to me, and maybe I'm reading it incorrectly that Philadelphia, who is actually the team that is in first place in the division at two, four and one, no, I guess Dallas is two and four. However, that would work that because they've recently won a championship, they may be looking at the season saying, you know what, we're not that interested in 6-9-1, and 7-8-1, and one, and out. We're interested in the future. 
we're interested in taking this opportunity to get better as a, as a football team in 2021 and 2022. And of course, you know, Ron Rivera is looking at it as we got an opportunity to win the division. Who knows? I mean, Washington could be buyers at the trade deadline. I don't think they will be. But, um, and maybe it's about a contract. Maybe it's about Goddard, who's hurt. Maybe it's about bringing back a receiver because all of their receivers have been hurt. Although I've actually been impressed with with uh, Fulgham, uh, Fulgham so far in, in these games. Fulgham, Fulgham, really Fulgham, good. whatever it is. Yeah. And Richard Rodgers was here a month and a half ago, and he had six catches last night for them. Yeah, that's that's an interesting one right there. I, I was never in love with Rodgers, but – He's making plays for Philly. Before we get- I, I just uh, Zach Ertz has they're negotiating a contract which is not going well. Okay, and it's there's no way it's going to go well for Philly because you have at least one more guy in Goddard who you're going to have to pay soon if you want to keep him. Right, and you're sitting there going, okay, well, how do we work this out with Ertz? I mean, do we want to put more money than any other team into the tight end position or? You know, exactly what do we want to do in that situation so i mean Ertz is going to get big time money even coming off an injury he's going to get big time money yeah 29 years old i mean and, he, and a great player like one of those players like you used to say about not you know i'm not saying that it's jordan reed but there's a lot of similarities where you you you, you put him out there and he gets matched up with a safety or a linebacker forget about it it's over. No, he's one of the best one-on-one separators, and he's just so smart the way he does it. So, by the way, one other comment about last night's game, and I, th- and again, I, I think this would be the reason I would pick Philadelphia. God, Fletcher Cox is so good. He's he's incredible. He's still such a great player. How old is Fletcher Cox now? Is he like thirty? Look it up. I don't. I feel like he's older than thirty. He might be. It's, I mean, Fletcher, it's 29. God, he's so good. He is so good. Um, uh, one other, um, just again, sprinkling in a few questions that I'd written down for you today. Because um, it, it, it dovetails nicely off of the uh, wide receiver conversation. If you were Philadelphia um, or a team that was desperate for a wide receiver and you could win your division adding a receiver, would you on Antonio Brown next week when, when potentially he becomes eligible? Yeah. <laughs> I would. And then how would you manage that? I think at this point in Antonio Brown's career, you take a chance. He's going to sign a one-year contract for the rest of the way. And in that chance, you just make the suggestion. You know where you're at right now, bro we're not going to manage you. You're going to manage yourself. And if something comes up, we're going to move on. If anything comes up, we're going to move on. You're going to, you're going to spend every day proving us wrong and you're going to do it in terms of trying to get back to a big time deal next year, but we're not going to manage you. I'm a huge, this is crazy, but the NFL is a business and I'm a huge talent versus morals guy in that situation. I've wanted to play the culture thing. I've wanted to play, the get good guys thing. I just don't care about role models. Antonio Brown's going to go somewhere. It's a year and a half. Everyone's going to forget 
some of the stuff that happened in Pittsburgh with the girl and they're in some of his shenanigans and he's, he's going to catch two touchdown passes. You're going to go, look at this dude we got. He's awesome. It's talent versus morals. And in the NFL, if talent fits into that price scheme for you in so much that you could move away, if some of the morals became paramount, I would take him. Yeah. I just, would you take him on Washington's team right now? What if what if Dan came in and said we're going to sign Antonio Brown, Ron? Yeah, I, I would. See, I think I think the big I think you're, you're I think what you said is a reasonable position, but I think there's a difference between somebody who's like morally corrupt and a bit of a headache and a diva versus somebody who is totally unstable, like him. I mean, this is a guy that this is a guy that went totally AWOL before the Steelers' biggest game in that final year that he was in Pittsburgh. This was a guy that you know gets traded to the Ra- Raiders and you know is in a hot air balloon coming into the first day of training camp, and then he gets off of that balloon only to reveal that he had frozen his feet off in some cryotherapy uh, session. He threatens to retire a week later because of the helmet issue. He misses training camp. He he he, the, the, he gets fined for it, and then he posts that fine. Remember, I, I, I wrote down all of these things because I think it was one of the most fascinating three or four weeks of, of a player in recent NFL history. He gets that letter, and he posts the fine letter, and and start and critically rips the organization, then threatens the general manager Mike Mayock, and then he falsely apologizes, and the team accepts it, and then he puts the video out that he secretly recorded the conversations with Gruden, um, and then and then Gruden says, "Oh yeah, I was entertained by it," and then the next day he puts the Instagram out saying, "Release me," um, and they did. That was one of the wildest three to four week periods for a player in recent NFL history, maybe ever. So he's not—he's not a diva. He's—he's he's clearly not well. And so, unless I could be convinced from doctors that he's well or he's better, I wouldn't go near him. And Russell Wilson is all over this. I don't know if you've read the quotes that Russell Wilson um, has. has uh, th- th- He's been talking about Antonio Brown. He thinks that Brown's gotten his whole life together. And, uh, you know, what Wilson can see is DK Metcalf and Antonio Brown. Really? There's no chance we don't win the Super Bowl. But I think it would be high risk. I, my it is high risk, but it's not that high risk for the Seahawks. They deal with four bad news cycles or two bad news cycles, and they say, "See ya." I think my I do f- think the Wilson quotes are funny because I was looking at this. Like fa- he had a bad year or two there that didn't go the way you want it to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The understatement of all time. You mean he created an S storm for? Three years, including going back to Pittsburgh and some of the absolute nonsense that went on there. On my um, list, on my list of of that three to five week period, I did not include any of the crimes he may have committed. Like th- those were just the complete out of the ordinary, abnormal, you know, behavior. Right. 
I loved I loved the pictures of his feet. Do you remember that? Yeah. He fell asleep and froze his feet. I don't know how you fall asleep in a cryo chamber. <laughs> oh my it's really God. cold. Um, it's really it's it'd be like walking outside right now and laying in the snow in Wyoming and just taking a nap. For those of you that are thinking about would Washington be interested? I will bet you any amount of money that Antonio Brown, that they wouldn't even give a thought to Antonio Brown, and and B, unless he had no other options, he wouldn't come here. He was yeah, Dwayne. He, he was Dwayne Haskins. If, if I'm Antonio Brown, I'm going somewhere where I can win. I'd have an impact, and I would fit in. Well, this is if I'm Antonio Brown, where I wouldn't be the biggest name immediately going into the team i just go make plays all right let's get to washington beats dallas if right after this word from one of our sponsors if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get to Washington wins if you kick it off for us, please, Christopher. So I think the first thing that they're going to have to do is dominate, control, command the line of scrimmage with their defensive front. You watch Dallas right now, and it is not the offensive line that you've seen in the past. There are two rookies starting, one at center, one at right tackle. Let's do Terrence Steele. They should be able to get pressure on it doesn't matter who's rushing over Terrence Steele. The left tackle is Brandon Knight. No, he, I mean, they, they, he, no, he's not. He's hurt. Is Knight hurt? So now it's Greg Sennett. They don't even know who it's going to be. Yeah, well, Ben Brandon Knight. Brandon Knight hurt They're his not knee good last up week. Front. He's out. Yeah. They are not good up front. They are not effective running the ball. And I've went back over and over and said, you just got to pound the ball with Ezekiel Elliott. But I've watched this offensive line through three games and I go, he's not getting the rushing, the run lanes that have been available. So controlling the line of scrimmage puts Andy Dalton in a bad situation. And my God, Andy Dalton, especially early in that game was so off balance, was so nervous in the pocket. What's concerned. He he should have thrown two picks early in that game. He threw one right into one of the linebackers of Arizona in the early parts of that ball game. That Great was point. Rocked. Right, I remember that. That that could have probably would have been a pick six. Controlling the line of scrimmage and putting them in third down and longs will be a huge asset for this defense. And in saying that, they should do that. This shouldn't be a game like last week against the Giants, where you have 
third and four, third and five, third and three, third and two, because Dallas operates really well in those situations. Those are bad looks for us. They have three big-time receivers in CeeDee Lamb, Gallup, and Amari Cooper, and Dalton Schultz can play, and we're not phenomenal in underneath coverage, mid-range coverage. So getting them in big third-down situations, third and eight pluses, they'll win the game if they can do that. No doubt. I mean, I think about that game on Monday night and when they had them in third and long and where they were coming with pressure and guys that I don't think we even faced, that number um, 45, Gardick or whatever, they, they they totally rattled Andy Dalton on third on long, third and longs. Um, I, th- that makes a lot of sense to me uh, as to – like I could see – now, at the same time, I, I would respond before I get to my first Washington wins if – don't you think Dallas is going to try to take the pressure off Andy Dalton and really run the football this week? Like like it's a Zeke Elliott kind of a game? Yeah, I, that, that's a critical part of, I think, the point is control that line of scrimmage so it doesn't ever become a Ezekiel Elliott type of game. And you know so what? So you frustrate him. He's, he's concerned big time about some of the fumble issues. Oh, it's in his head. And when you get a – when you get a back that's super concerned about fumble issues, some of their second cuts aren't quite the same. It's one cut and cover. Right. So don't don't give him that first cut to where he can make an early cut and get four or five and cover the ball. Force him to have to do things he doesn't want to do in the backfield. He might turn it over. He might not. I, it, fumbling issues sometimes are hard for guys to overcome. It's like the yips. Every once in a while. Well, what you just described, I think anybody, all of us who are football fans, when a guy has fumbled or has a fumbling problem, and for those that don't know, he has a fumbling problem right now. He's got four lost fumbles and six total fumbles on the season. And so when you see a guy, all of a sudden they're in protect the ball mode, they become less instinctive and more focused on protecting the ball, which may lead to less successful runs. Here's my first Washington wins if. By the way, I thought about having. I thought about your number one is my number one, um, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't do it that way. It would have been the second straight week. I'm glad I didn't. Um, they have to do what they did last week offensively with one twist. I'll get to the twist in a, in a moment, but they have to move the football. You know, obviously, you'd like to see it result in more points without turning the ball over. You'd like to see them make every field goal when they move the football and they're in field goal range. Um, that would help out with you know the moving the football results. But last week was just different. And for those of you that are delusional and want to believe that the move to Kyle Allen didn't produce anything different, well, you're wrong. It did. They were professionally competent on offense. They moved the ball because they converted on third downs. They were 8 for 15. It's 53.3%. They moved the ball because they converted on fourth downs where they were they were 2 for 2. They had one three and out in the entire game. And they ran 70-something plays and they they punted once the week before they had punted 10 times obviously moving the football is an obvious thing when you're talking about you know winning a game well you got to move the football can't just keep sending your punting team out there obviously but some teams don't need a great third down success rate 
to be successful on offense because they have big-time playmakers and they have the ability to score quickly on one play or on a four-play drive where there's a 48-yard catch and run on the drive that sets it up. That's not this team. They don't have that. They have to grind it out. Kyle Allen's their best chance to grind out some offense. And, you know, the other thing about this offense last week, it's not so important to protect a defense that's bad because the defense isn't bad. But no defense can survive 60 minutes of what they had against the Rams, which we've joked about, which is, oh, good job getting the Rams off the field. Uh, Wait a minute. No, no, no time for Gatorade. You're back in. The offense is punting again. You can't do that anymore, and they didn't do that last week, where they had a plus twenty-three snap, you know, advantage. You you said it the other day. If you're plus twenty-three snaps, you're going to win most games you play. They didn't last week, but you're going to win a lot of them. But here's the twist to it, Cooley, and you brought this up the other day. God, they've got to be better on first down in particular. If you are trying to convert 15 third down opportunities a game, that's too many. Like, it's better to have like 10 third down opportunities. It's like when you have 15 third downs and two fourth downs in a game, it means you weren't making many first downs on first or second down. They averaged 3.3 yards on first down last week. That's not enough. Dallas's defense has been terrible this year. But if you think about Dallas's defense, they've played teams that have much better offensive weapons than Washington has. If you go back through the list, all right, the Rams, the Falcons, the Seahawks, the Browns are four of the teams that completely lit Dallas up. And then Arizona did it the other night with a unique set of playmakers. Um, this will be the worst offensive team Dallas has faced all year, at least statistically. So Washington has to move the football, but I think this week they're going to have to do it with fewer third-down opportunities, and they're going to have to be much better on first down than they were last week. I don't think I actually think Dallas has some talent on defense, and I think if Washington's in third and fours and third and fives all day long, they're not going to convert at the rate that they did last week. I completely agree with you. I think there's ways that they can convert in third and four, third and five, but God, you get Demarcus Lawrence and Alden Smith and Tyrone Crawford and Everson Griffin and all these guys coming after the quarterback. And you're going to put a ton of pressure throughout the game on your left tackle and your, some of your young offensive linemen. Right. So yeah, I just, you got to move the sticks early. You got to get big plays. Dallas gives up 36 points a game. Right. But they've played much better offensive teams than Washington is. Well, off- offensively, Washington's, if not the second worst in there between the third and fourth worst offense. Well, they improved in a couple of spots last week. Like they went from dead last on third down to, I think, 30th on third down last week. Yeah. Um, all right, what's your next one? Washington beats Dallas. So I think this is going to be big, and I think this is going to be part of them winning more football games and being more effective on offense the rest of the season. they got to be able to run the ball over the tackles into the outside parts of the field. Now, Dallas gives up yards in the middle of the field as much as anybody running the football, and that may end up being the case. If you can get yards up the middle, I, I'm all for that. But for some of the run-action pass stuff that they're trying to set up, they got to get it 
outside of Moses, outside of Christian. Part of this is scheme. Part of this is backs trusting. But right now, running plays over the left tackle, under two yards of carry. Running plays outside over the right tackle, under three yards, 2.5 yards of carry. They don't even try to run the ball to the left side of the field. That's almost uncommon. Like when you look at total plays to the left, rushing plays, there's about 22 of them if you take out some of the quarterback scrambles that Dwayne had rushing left. To the right side, there's closer to 50. So there's clearly a tendency to run the ball more to the right. I think being able to get outside to the left, find ways to do that is going to be paramount. And there are ways to do it. If you can't just run stretch zone, then you're, you can crack your tight end. You can crack a receiver. You can pull Jerron Christian so he doesn't have to be that stretch player. Try to get him out in space and run. I actually think Christian can run a little bit. Find ways to get to the edge. To me, being able to run and attack the perimeter is going to be huge for them, not just this week, and it is this week, but moving forward. If you let Jalen Smith and Kyle Vanderesh just backfill all your backfill all your gaps and get into some of your run lanes in the middle of the field, which is exactly what they're going to do because it's exactly what everyone's going to do is play behind blocks, play behind gaps, and wait for cutbacks. You're going to be dead. Those guys can run. They're instinctual. Vanderesh is a huge addition. Getting him back is big for that defense. And to be able to set up some of your stuff off of that where they actually start to run and, and move and you displace them will allow you opportunities to push the ball down the field and attack a secondary that has some big-time issues in terms of coverage. Running outside, to me, is a big key. Who's if the back? Can, Who, who's running outside? McKissick? I don't care. It's it, it, Gibson can run outside. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just he's predetermining cuts. McKissick does to some extent as well. There's got to be this, look, we're going to get the ball to the edge. Dallas plays a four-down front. We're going to find ways to reach that defensive end, and we're going to find ways to get outside of him. Be good in space, get up to the backers, but trust that if we don't run to the edge, we won't get runs inside. Everyone's going to play Washington in a certain way, which is with the belief that their backers don't have to run to stop anything getting outside. It makes it really easy for a four down defense whose biggest fear is, man, they're going to get to the edge. We're really going to have to run. To me, that's a big key to this game. If they do it, they'll win the game. I'm not suggesting that they can't win if they don't, but if they can get to the edge and, and average four plus yards of carry on the outside of, out, out, outside of the box, they will win the game. Washington uh, beats Dallas uh, if it tackles exceptionally well on defense because the yep. Cowboys are really good after the catch. Look, they're, they're, the strength of that football team was its quarterback and its skill position players. And Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Zeke Elliott as a pass receiver are all in like the top 15, top 20 in yards after catch. Look, they've, they've, Dallas is up there right now because of all of the yards that Prescott threw in a lot of you know statistical categories way up there offensively in receiving and receiving and passing. But you know it's the yards after catch. It's the missed tackles that turn into big plays. And so you know this weakness with Collins, not so much with Everett last week, and you know maybe Everett got inserted into the lineup at the right time, 
But, man, they are going to have to tackle well. Their corners are going to have to tackle well. Their safeties are going to have to tackle well. Because if not, these hitches can go for much bigger plays. Elliott can catch the ball out of the backfield and make, you know, and basically get too many yards after the catch. I think Elliott is the number one back in the league running back as a receiver in yards after the catch. Actually, that's not true. It's got to be Kamara, right? I think it's got to be Kamara. But, um, You've got to tackle well defensively this week. Dallas, even with Dalton, and you know, if they get the ball into the hands of their playmakers, which will be their goal this week, you know, especially after the pressure last week really disrupted them, you're going to have to tackle well, and you're going to have to tackle well in space, or, or it's or you're not going to get them off the field. Total yards after the catch, Dallas has seven hundred and thirty four, seven thirty seven. The next best is. Los Angeles at 638. They almost have 100 more yards after the catch than any other team in the NFL. I didn't even know that. I didn't look at that. I looked at the individuals, but we've watched Dallas enough this year to know that those guys are really good with the ball in their hands. Yeah, I mean, CeeDee Lamb's explosive. He's a really good runner in space. Amari Cooper obviously can make big-time plays. Gallup, another guy that can make plays. You, you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott. Like, tackling well, I think, is the biggest key on defense. I mean, pressure on Dalton, to me, is, is huge, and tackling well was was one of my keys when I watched this team. Like, all the all the third down plays or second and ten plays where you see Dallas throw it at five or six and do take it for 20. Right. And then same as last week, all the plays where – or I guess not last week – but look at the Rams game and all the plays down the field. Those are huge. Yeah. I mean, Cooper Cup, third and five, take it for 40. Jeez. Dallas is going to operate. Dallas is going to throw out the Giants game plan, I think, to some extent. Maybe understand they can run it a little bit. But I think they throw it out and they look at what Los Angeles did. Um, what's your next one? So for me, it's it's going to be a coaching thing to some extent. I think that you got to stay out of any form of quarters coverage against this team. I just think you got to take off pressure from the underneath defenders. You can't have three players underneath playing zones. Dallas is good at attacking those underneath zones. And I think that Andy Dalton wants to throw some of those underneath zone stuffs. To me, it's more of a two-coverage, two-man situation where you're disrupting routes at the line of scrimmage. You're disrupting timing early for Andy Dalton. I do think this defensive line is going to be able to get after the quarterback, but stay out of quarters and easy underneath coverage and then really attack and be physical with the receivers at the line of scrimmage. And they have the ability to do that. You know, Fuller can really jam and run. I just I know that Moreau hasn't played much and didn't play well, but he's a guy that if you put him at the line of scrimmage, I think he can really jam and run. Darby's not necessarily that type of player, but in the middle of the field, when you get anything releasing vertical, you got to disrupt the timing of all these guys. You got to put pressure on Dalton to make mistakes and, and disrupting timing with your DBs will be huge. 
All right, my last one um, is the typical, you know, cliche turnover bit uh, that we often do. Um, but this one's different because Dallas is has the worst turnover di- differential in the league. It's not even close. They're minus 12. Next worst uh, is Minnesota at minus 7 with Kirk turning it over as much as he has been. Uh, by the way, they traded they traded Ngakwe. I mean, that didn't last long. Um Dallas is 32nd overall in giveaways, dead last in margin, but Washington's 28th in in giveaways. So they've turned it over too much. Um, The difference is, now, this probably doesn't apply here because it's Dalton and it's not Dak, but, you know, Dallas overcame all of their turnovers, not to win games, but to nearly win games. They actually overcame... A minus three against uh, Atlanta and won the game. Minus three against Atlanta. They were minus two against Seattle and had a chance to win the game. They were minus three against the Browns and were down three in the fourth quarter. They were minus one against the Giants and won the game. So they have the weapons. I, I think that 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 minds, I think that note there isn't really applicable because it's Dalton and not Dak. So I understand that. But Washington can't overcome a, a, a meaningful turnover differential mark. We, we saw that last week. You know, you, you had minus one in the turnover, and that's that's all it took to lose by a point. Minus one last week e- equals losing by a point or, you know, going to overtime, which is what it should have done. Um, but I, I just – Dallas has been a turnover machine this year. And it would be great if it continues, because if it continues, they're going to win, and they're going to win. Washington is going away. If if Dallas turns over the ball, they were minus four on Monday night against Arizona. If they turn the ball over two, three t- times, and, and Washington ends up with plus two or better against Andy Dalton, it's going to be a two-score win on Sunday. I really believe that. You so, really so my last key is. Just show up because Kevin really thinks he's got this game scripted. And <laughs> I have some clarity on this game. I, I don't know why. I just have a little bit of clarity on this game. I had clarity on that Eagles game, if you recall, in the opener. I also got one dead wrong. Which was the one I got dead wrong? Um, I think I liked them against the Rams. I did. I liked them plus the number against the Rams. That was not close. So, uh yeah, I mean it's amazing uh, the, the turnover thing with Dallas this year. I mean they got they 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 just hand the ball over to, to the other team multiple times a game, and with Dak they had a chance to continue to stay in games and even potentially win them. They can't with Dalton. God, I used that's to. That's like, not true. That's just not true. It's not what it, because they can't I, do it with Dalton because Dalton's not. He's not as bad as everybody thinks I, he is. I always liked Dalton. I I, I don't. I, you know what? You're probably right. It's just what I saw Monday night was really hideous. No, it was it was absolutely awful. But it's also his first snaps. Didn't play one preseason snap. And he has weapons. The problem Dalton has is he just doesn't have an offensive line. No, it's a it's it's a it's a total mess, the offensive line. Did you? I hope you're right on this. I, I think this could be a fun game. I do think they could. I don't think they're going to win going away. I just don't think that they have that skill set. 
I didn't say they were going to win going away. I said that they're going. So they could win by two touchdowns. I said if the if they're if Dallas hands them the ball the way they've been handing other teams the football, and Washington ends up like plus two or better, that they could win by two scores. We'll see. All right, uh, I do have one more Cooley question for the day, which I will get to right after the smell test and the lock of the week. Kevin looks where the John Q. Public is putting their cash and does the opposite. It's It's time time for the the smell smell test. test. Smell test last week, 7 and 8, Cooley, 23, 32, and 2 on the season. It's only October 23rd. I mean, we have... We're not even at the midway point of the NFL season. And Big Ten football starts tonight. Maryland tomorrow uh, night against Northwestern. be interesting to see how Coach Locks and the crew look tomorrow night. A matchup of two of the predicted worst teams in the Big Ten. And yet Maryland's an 11-point underdog tomorrow night in Evanston, Illinois. Um, nine units uh, below 500. Plenty of time to turn it around. Seven and eight last week. I really screwed up because I told you guys I was going to give out more likely than not Arizona on Monday, and I just forgot. I did play Arizona, but whatever. Um, If I don't give it out, it doesn't count. Uh, I did give out the Giants on the podcast yesterday, so that gets the weekend off to a 1-0 start. Uh, Most of my selections are college selections this week. There are only two NFL games that really – fit the smell test criteria, which is basically going against heavy public action and also uh, using some of the information uh, sources that I have offshore to find out where some of the real sharp money is. If the sharp money is opposite the public money, then I usually love that game. Um, All right, let me start with this. North Carolina is laying 15 and a half to NC State tomorrow. NC State, you know, has quarterback issues and a quarterback injury there. North Carolina got blown out at Florida State last week. And this was literally, they were a 13 and a half point favorite. Florida State I had in the smell test last week. They won the game outright. Um, And North Carolina was being discussed as a potential, potential outside threat as a playoff team, now nobody's going to beat Clemson in the ACC, but they're laying fifteen and a half against NC State. That's a big number, huge. And North Carolina's thirteenth, and NC State does again. They they had they've got the injury to the quarterback. Um, uh, Leary is the quarterback. Uh, and he's going to be out for a while, but it's still a massive number. Here's what North Carolina is and the reason I I like them. Uh, A, the public is loaded up on the Wolfpack as an underdog, which is rare to get the uh, public lined up on underdogs. Two, North Carolina really is explosive offensively. They can they can really score. So North Carolina is the first pick uh, tomorrow. The heels laying the fifteen and a half uh, to the Wolfpack in that rivalry game. All right, next up is Louisville. Uh, Louisville, I actually gave out um, the other side on a couple of weeks ago against Georgia Tech on a Friday night. That got us off to a good weekend start. Um, they are laying five to Florida State. Uh, Florida State beating North Carolina last week off that big upset. The public loves Florida State catching points against Louisville um, in this game, and I think it's a letdown spot for Florida State. I'll take Louisville laying the five in that game. Uh, Up next is – where's my next pick? Here it is. It's UCF. UCF's given a massive number 
this week. I have no idea why they are a 19.5 point favorite over Tulane. Tulane's pretty good. I, I gave them out two weeks ago, or was it last week against SMU, as a winner getting 6.5. They, they lost the game uh, by 3. Um, I like UCF laying that big number. UCF's 2-2. Two and two. They're not the UCF team of recent vintage. Uh, which is why this is a big number. The public is on an underdog there. I'll take the favorite and lay the 19 and a half. In the first of two Big Ten games I'm going to give out, Indiana's five and a half uh, point underdogs against Penn State ranked seventh in the country. And Indiana's not supposed to be that good. Um, plus, I got a kid that used to play some basketball for me, Cooley. used to coach um, uh, my, my man Aiden Rafferty, who is, I think, going to be on their starting offensive line for Indiana. So I'm going to go with the Fighting Hoosiers plus the five and a half, a short number against Penn State uh, this week um, in the Big Ten opener. Um, next up, I like Tennessee. And tell me why I should like Tennessee against Alabama. Um, it's a hard sell to, to take anybody against Bama, no matter how many points you're getting. Tennessee got routed to, you know, two weeks ago um, in, in that game um, against Georgia, and then last week got routed by Kentucky. Kentucky's actually a pretty good team. They, they're going to be coming up in the smell test as well. Here's what the theory on this. First of all, everybody's playing Bama. Secondly, when Bama plays LSU or Georgia or Auburn, and they are big-time hitting games, physical games, like last Saturday night was, I think they're hurting. I think it's a little bit of a letdown. I see like 35-17 in this game. Take Tennessee plus the 21.5. Missouri's playing Kentucky, and they're getting 5.5, and and Kentucky's been on a roll. They beat Arkansas – I'm sorry, not Arkansas. They beat Mississippi State, Mike Leach's team, 24-2 to two weeks ago. And then last week, completely blew out Tennessee, 34-7. to Kentucky's one of the best defensive teams in America. They are really good defensively. And they are laying a short number to Missouri, who beat LSU last week. LSU obviously is in disarray last, uh, this year. They lost all those players to the pros, uh, and they're not very good defensively. I'm going to take Missouri uh, plus the number, plus uh, the five and a half at home against Kentucky. The public really likes Kentucky. Kentucky's really an interesting team. I, I want everybody to, to, to know that. They're, you know, Rarely do you see Kentucky have a really good football team, but they are exceptional defensively and one of the best defensive teams in the country. That's going to be interesting to watch them uh, this year. Uh, still in college, Purdue is getting three to Iowa. For whatever reason, that number is short and the public's pounding Iowa. There's some short, short money on Purdue. I'll take Purdue plus the three. And then I think the Saturday game that I like the most, and this is just typically the way I think when it comes to betting, Georgia Tech lost last week 73-7 to to Clemson. I mean, it was it probably could have been a hundred if Clemson had wanted it to be a hundred. Um, and at the same time, you know, Boston College they got beat by Virginia Tech pretty badly, but but Boston College has been pretty decent this year. They beat Pitt in overtime a few weeks ago. Um, they were actually close against North Carolina a few weeks ago. Um, and Georgia Tech off of a seventy-three to seven loss is only getting three and a half at BC. 
Uh, that reeks. Um, BC should be a seven-point favorite. I'll take Georgia Tech plus the three-and-a-half in that game. Let's go to Sunday. Um, there are only two games that fit Cooley, uh, the smell test criteria. You want to guess what they are? You usually do a pretty good job of doing this. Yeah, you're going to take – well, you could take Denver. You could take the Rams, and you're definitely going to take Houston. <laughs> I'm definitely taking Houston. Uh, I, I had Houston last week plus three and a half against the Titans as a major anti-public play, um, and there was sharp money on Houston last week to, last week as well. And look, I mean, they lost in overtime by six. I mean, most of these overtime games get decided by a field goal, <clears throat> um, but it didn't last week, and they had a chance obviously late uh, to uh, to put it away when they went for the two-point conversion to go up by nine. Um, I like him again this week, especially given that Green Bay is coming off a loss and people expect Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to bounce back. And then you would say, well, then why are, uh, why are the Packers only three-and-a-half-point favorites against a one-and-five team? Well, the reason is Houston's probably going to lose this game by a field goal <laughs> or, or a point or two points or maybe even win the game. I'll take Houston plus three-and-a-half on just the general contrarian theory here. Um, it'll be one of the biggest needs of the weekend for any bookmaker in America because Aaron Rodgers is going to get a ton of action on him and his team uh, this week. And then Washington's an anti-public um, team this week. The line is down to a pick on that sharp money that moved it. It's also Vegas odds maker, makers that moved that line after watching Dallas on Monday night and realizing how banged up they are along the offensive line. Zach Martin's in concussion protocol. Brandon Knight, who was replacing Smith, you know, had knee surgery. They are a mess along their offensive line. And I think Washington's strength is their defensive line. And I think Vegas looked at it and said, Washington's terrible, but Dallas is pretty bad right now too. The game's a pick 'em. The public likes Dallas. I like Washington. I'm putting him into the smell test at a pick. Um, there were a couple of other games I looked at, but I will not include. I, I'm not going to make you suffer through the Jets again, um, even though they're a major anti-public play getting 11.5 against Buffalo. I'm just not going to do it. Um, they really, really stink. But that will be a big need for bookmakers. I'll probably play it myself. I'm just not going to make you do it. Um, I think Jacksonville is going to be a major anti-public play. Um, but not not one that there's a lot of sharp money on. I do personally, and it doesn't fit the smell test criteria this week, I do like Carolina. I think I'm going to short New Orleans the rest of the way, Cooley. I think I figured out – I say I figured out. This time of year is – I think I've described this to you um, in, in past years. When you get to the six, seven-week mark – you, you start to realize certain teams have decent records but aren't that good. Certain teams have bad records that are much better. And you're looking for value or, uh, on bad record teams. You're looking to short teams. I don't think New Orleans is very good. I, I, I just – I have a feeling New Orleans is not going to end up being in the postseason this year. I think Tampa is much better in that division, even though they beat Tampa in the opener. I think Carolina might be as good as New Orleans. And I think in terms of wild cards, you got, you know, you could potentially get all three of your wild cards from the NFC West. Uh, more likely than not, though, you'll end up with one from the North and two from the West because you get three wild cards this year. 
Um, but again, the only two official picks are uh, Washington and Houston this week. So recapping, uh, I had the Giants last night. I've got Carolina, Louisville, UCF, Indiana, Tennessee, Missouri, Purdue, and Georgia Tech. And then I like the Texans, and I like Washington on Sunday. All right, let's get to your lock of the week. Who do you got? There's some other interesting games that I have thought about. I like Detroit. I do too a little bit. Detroit's plus two and a half. <clears throat> yep, I like them a little at bit. Atlanta. Atlanta came off that big win. Atlanta can really score. But Atlanta can also really give it up. And I think Matt Stafford can move the football. I think Detroit has a really good shot. I told you Atlanta's in the the first game. They're in that uh, honeymoon bounce back period with new coach. The only reason I wouldn't bet on Detroit in this game is because I think that Raheem Morris actually is really good. And I think Atlanta continues to get better throughout the season under Raheem Morris. Right. It's too bad that they started the season 0-5 with Dan Quinn in a season that they probably should be three and two right now worst case scenario you're right um i like denver in the snow yeah Uh, denver's kansas city's minus nine and a half yep but denver in the snow i just don't know if i trust drew lock in the snow so i don't know if denver who's been running it better can get it done i like the rams a lot minus six against chicago (laughs) It opened at minus seven. It's down to minus six. Chicago's a five and one team. I know. Yeah. I mean, that game to me, that spreads big enough that it, I don't know, it reeks a little bit. But ultimately, dude, you, you can't tell me looking at records and teams that Houston only getting three and a half points <laughs> is the right number. You just, you just can't explain <clears throat> that. Green Bay got their ass kicked last week. And Houston, to me, was a team that I just thought, man, after Bill O'Brien, they're coming along. They're as good as anybody throwing the football with Deshaun Watson. He'll make some mistakes, but as good as anybody. And I'm just not a firm believer just yet in Green Bay's back-end coverage. Houston's, I think, at three and a half, that says Houston's going to win this ballgame. Like, I like Houston as a lock of the week. There you go. So we're that's, both on this. My, that's my one lock of the week. Mm-hmm. The other game I looked at just for fun is Boise State's getting 17. Who's Bo- the Boise, Boise State's favored by 17 against Utah State. It's in Boise. Neither team have played a game this year. Oh, that's right. It's the first weekend of, of the Mountain first West, right? Mountain West right. ball game. So yeah. I would I would have I'd like to see what Utah State is, but Gary Williams, who took over as the head coach from Utah State this year had been there previously turned that program around it's a new quarterback obviously for utah state but 17 is a big number in <laughs> what's almost always a competitive matchup in the mountain west and has been since i played at utah state i love, I love the way you said that it's obviously a new quarterback at utah state well the quarterback's in green bay right now and that's true that's a good point I mean, they their quarterback was drafted in the That's first right. round. You're right. I, I forgot about that. I, I should I should have known why you were bringing that up. I just I think that the Houston. If you want to go lock of the week, lock of the week, Houston just seems like it's absolutely the right play. Are you giving Are you giving out Boise minus seventeen? Also, no. I'm just I'm, you just like talking about some of these yeah, games. Yeah, okay. You know about and, and I just that that number seems 
right, maybe, but I think Utah State covers that number. And the quarterback, if anyone was wondering, it's Jordan Love, which is the quarterback. Yeah, that Jordan was Love, Utah State who, last year with who, Larry who pissed Aaron Rodgers off, and that's why Rodgers is having such a big, big year, such a gigantic year. That's the reason. Such a, a huge year is only because they drafted Jordan Love, and he's got to show everybody up. Right. Uh, all right, that smell test and lock of the week was brought to you by mybookie.ag. If you go to mybookie.ag and use my promo code KevinDC, they're going to match your deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to $1,000. What does that mean? Well, if you open up the account with 250 bucks, they're going to give you an additional $250 to play with. Uh, you can bet anything on mybookie.ag, literally anything. NFL odds, college football odds. We've got the World Series this weekend. You want to bet PGA golf, UFC, election, NASCAR, all of it available um, on mybookie.ag. They've got great futures odds. I was looking up on mybookie.ag um, the other day, the updated odds on the NFC East futures. Um, and after last night, Cooley, what did, did you just have an accident there? It seemed like a, a, a loud noise coming uh, from your studio there in in Wyoming. What happened? Everybody okay? Yeah, my dog just got up and was peeing. I was trying to get him. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the <laughs> NFC East division odds updated on my bookie. Philadelphia now the favorite after last night at plus 105. The Cowboys are plus 130. And the Washington football team now the third pick to win the division at plus 850. The Giants are the long shot after last night. Um, anyway, mybookie.ag, what you really want to know is you want to know that you've got a reliable place, a fair place, and if you win, you'll get paid. And I promise you that's the case. Go to mybookie.ag, use my promo code KevinDC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, and they'll match your deposit dollar for dollar all the way up to 1000 bucks. All right, um, last two things. I told you that I had several questions, which I've sprinkled in uh, during the course of this program. I asked Tommy this uh, yesterday, and CJ and I did it on the radio show this morning. It's a very odd year, Cooley, in that you have so many high-end records and so many low-end records in the NFL. Um, Rarely do you have this many teams with zero to one win. You have right now in the NFL, you've got, um, I think it's nine teams with either zero or one wins and 13 teams with four or more wins through six weeks of the season. Uh, You know, six to seven weeks, depending on how many uh, games people have played. And that's odd. It's usually much closer, you know, to a game, you know, more teams are a game above 500 or a game below 500 or at 500. So we're seeing an odd year um, in the NFL. Right now, if you looked at the AFC and the NFC and tried to and, and had to wager on the two teams that will face each other in each championship game for the right to go to the Super Bowl, I think it's a really hard thing. Because in the AFC, it was only a month ago where everybody just said, well, it's Kansas City and Baltimore, and they're the two best teams in the NFL, the two best teams in the AFC. Well, the two undefeated teams play each other Sunday, Pittsburgh and Tennessee. So let's start there in the AFC. Who are your two teams right now that you've got in the AFC championship game? Pittsburgh and Kansas City. That's me. With Tennessee and Buffalo being right there with both of those teams. 
Why not Baltimore? And Baltimore being the the other team that's there. The AFC is tough, tough. God, it's loaded, loaded. And all of those teams, like I, I that's where I went. KC and Pittsburgh too. I think Pittsburgh's the best defensive team in in the NFL. Um, I'm not even sure that it might. It may not even be that close. And then they've got Ben. And I wanted to mention this about Pittsburgh because I talked about them at the end of last year and I said this may be the best job Mike Tomlin's done with with that team with Rudolph and Duck Hodges at quarterback. And there they were late in the season, 8-5 and with a chance to to go to the playoffs. I thought it was the best job that Tomlin's done. They ended up not making the playoffs. They lost out. Um... But they were so good defensively all year. They're just as good defensively, if not better, this year. I was looking at their – you cannot run the football against them. It is impossible to make yards against Pittsburgh right now. Now, they did lose – they lost the linebacker uh, to a torn ACL. Um, What's his face? Why am I blanking? Devin Bush. They, they, lost, they lost Devin Bush um, to a torn ACL. That's a big loss from them. By the way, you did not like him, did you, coming out? Uh, he was not my favorite player coming out, and everyone thought I was absolutely crazy. Athletically, he was amazing. I just thought instinctually he was average. Right. Um, in terms of their run defense, I'm pulling it up right now. I, I just want to make sure that it's what it was because I think it's like less than 60 yards per game that they're allowing. Uh, actually, Tampa is the number one rush defense at 64.3 yards, and Pittsburgh's two at 66.2. Just to give you an idea of how good that is as a rush defense, like the third best is Indianapolis at 88.3 yards. Like there's a 22 yard difference between um, Pittsburgh at two and Indianapolis at three. You can't run the football against the Steelers, it's impossible to run the football against them. Uh, so I love the Steelers. You know that I'm a little bit hesitant on Kansas City, but not on their explosiveness and their ability to just you know completely devastate somebody offensively, especially in a game that matters. So I'm going to stick with them as my second best team. But I can't wait to see this Pittsburgh-Tennessee game. We're not going to be able to watch it because it's at 1 o'clock on, on Sunday. It's too bad that's not in a primetime window. But I think, you know, Tennessee, Baltimore – I don't know about Buffalo. I think Tennessee and Baltimore are, are are right there as well. I think Baltimore's flawed in that they're they may be the best front runner of the teams, but if they get behind, they're in big trouble, as we saw last year in the postseason. Who are your best two teams in the NFC? I like the Rams right now. I I think the Rams are a a really good football team. I don't know if they're my best team in the NFC. Uh, I want to say Seattle, who's sitting there at 5-0, and they are, and if they get healthy on defense, it's, it's probably likely Seattle as the best team in the NFC. The NFC is way more wide open, though, man. Like, Arizona looks good, and I'm just not a firm believer in them because I think that any game could go awry, but they've been really good on defense in the NFC. Um, Chicago at Five and one looks like one of the best teams, but God, could you believe in that offense? I mean, they're good defensively. I think this, I think to me, the Rams get into the NFC championship game. Wow. And they play throw it up in the air. 
I said New Orleans was a Super Bowl team. I think early in the year that New Orleans would be a team that would be in the Super Bowl. I don't know if I believe that right now. They The Rams play Green Bay. I like Seattle and Tampa, but I could be off Seattle here shortly. I'm just – I'm going – like Seattle and Kansas City to me – Kansas City's defense is better. Seattle and Kansas City are the same to me. It's like Mahomes, how can you bet against Mahomes and Wilson right now? Because they are the two best. Yep. Um, and so I can see them carrying their teams in this day and age of football to the Super Bowl. But I really like Tampa. So I'll go with Seattle. Yeah. And then I really like Tampa. I think Tampa is going to continue to get better. I think they are very good defensively and really a playmaking defense. And they've got the weapons offensively. They've got a coaching staff that I really like. And I just think that Tampa, by by the time we get to whenever it is, championship weekend, I think they're going to be sitting there playing in a game to go to the Super Bowl. I, I omitted Tampa. I don't know why. Tampa's probably there. For some reason, yeah, I'd put Tampa over Green Bay. I mean, they just pummeled Green Bay. <laughs> they just destroyed them. I, I realize that. I could but... see that. Uh, by the way, I could see that being a rematch. I could see that being the re- uh, uh, the NFC Championship game in a rematch from what we saw last week. Just because Seattle defensively, if they don't get healthy, it, it, they could easily run into a team that, you know, uh, I mean, right now Seattle's probably the favorite to be the one seed. You know, they're the one undefeated team. And this year in the, you know, in the playoffs, you only get one team with a bye. The other six in the playoffs in each conference have to play Wild card weekend. I'll I'll go Seattle, Tampa, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, um, but I really like Tampa Bay as a team that you know could end up in Tampa in the Super Bowl, which would be a first time. I'm I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna I'm gonna finish this up by saying I'm gonna go right now. Los Angeles, Tampa. Okay. I don't know why I skipped out on that Tampa thought? That would be a rematch of a an NFC Championship game. In 1980, Cooley, that end, Doug Williams was the quarterback of Tampa, and the Rams went into Tampa and beat the Buccaneers nine to nothing in the NFC Championship game, uh, and ended up That's losing to the happen. Steelers in the Super Bowl. All right, I've already given you my Washington Dallas pick, 24-16 Washington. What's yours? I'm going to give you a little bit more high scoring than that. I think it's going to be 31-28 Dallas. All right, there you go. Uh, have a great weekend. Uh, get out there and shoot some bottles uh, on your property in that cold Will weather. Um, and then we will reconvene on Monday with a recap of not only Washington-Dallas, but the rest of your NFL Sunday. Have a safe, healthy weekend, everybody.